0: dogs are you know man's best friend no doubt about it i'll never forget patches
1: Welcome into Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's show, I brought on again Troy Jensen, and we discussed a few significant life experiences he had that were impacted by the Wilberg Mine disaster. These stories and experiences will make you laugh. They'll make you cry. This is a really good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's give it a listen. Why don't you share with us your experiences that you had and kind of what it was like and how it helped shape you into who you are today and just share some experiences with us.
0: All right. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that, Miles. Yeah, I was just just thinking, I, I, I think your listeners might be interested in a great story about how you and I met. That's been quite a few years ago, back in 1994, when I had just got remarried to a girl here in Fountain Green, where you lived. And so that's where I, I, I moved to. And she had uh, two kids, Devin, a boy. He was seven. And Shay Shea Bird, as I call her, she, she was just three years old. And Devin was your age and had come off the road and had got something local, you know, from my driving To kind of get things started again, this new family and stuff. Then I'd had a daughter from a previous marriage, but then Angela and I ended up adding on two boys to our family. And that's just, I mean, all that they've all been just such a blessing to my life, you know. I've had such a good wife. I really appreciate her. She's did most of the work raising the kids and stuff. But I think it was that first summer after we'd been married, the city league has these ball teams all around and they couldn't find a coach for uh for somebody you guys' age and they talked to me and the deadline was running out or we wouldn't have been able to have a team and so I ran down to the city hall and said hey put my name down as a coach if I can get some help just so we can make sure we're in it if I can get some help and I remember One of the boys' dads, Brent Shaw, he volunteered to help out. And we got our uniforms just in time to hand them out. And they say, you got to head down to... It was like the next day we was going over to Fairview to play our very first game. And we had not practiced. We didn't know what positions you was going to be in. But we got over there and kind of sent everybody here or there. And we had just exactly enough guys so everybody could play all the time. But that team fairview team we were playing you could see they had been worked with and been practiced and they right off the bat the first inning they spanked us so bad i think they you know they scored so many runs that they were going to call the game and we asked can we just keep playing to get you guys some practice and they agreed and we thought well we got a lot of work to do and you guys were so determined everything is ready to practice every night, you know, and even when one of us guys couldn't come and practice with you, you guys was up there throwing the ball and playing and everything and getting better and better. It was kind of like the fountain green, bad news bear story. All of a sudden you guys won a game. Oh, you got excited and played along, run a couple more games. And you did well enough that we was invited down to the Lions Club Tournament. And that was a really big thing here in the community. you go down there and you could, you know, get a hit and win a hamburger, a snow cone, and this and that. And you guys won them first, I think, two, three games. Next thing you know, we were playing for the championship. I remember since God, oh, my gosh, guys! who we're playing? We're playing that Fairview team that spanked us so bad that first game. And I think they overlooked us. They thought, oh, we'll just win the championship trophy and and go home. Well, did they have a surprise? You guys have improved so much that we were actually winning that game going into the bottom of the uh, seventh inning. They only played the seven innings. And uh, I think we was up by two runs and oh, I know they were scared. Some of them boys were even crying we're going to, but uh, they happened to come back and uh, win us by one run. But still, you know, you guys took second place in that Lions Club tournament and uh, I was about ready to call the mayor uh, if you'd have won championship and told him to warm up the fire engine because we was going to take you up and down every street in town but uh, I just remember I still got to have this baseball. that I said, hey, guys, will you sign this baseball for me? And I kept it. And uh, there are 10 of you, 10 boys' names. One of the things I do remember used to give me a heart attack. Remember old Adam Coombs? He used to, when he'd hit the ball, he wouldn't stop at first. He'd just keep on running. And it was home run or nothing. And so he he probably got the most home runs because he just wouldn't stop if he hit he just kept on and going if they made enough errors he'd make a home run but if they got him out he'd be out I, I don't know if you remember that but boy the way you guys just played together and you know came together as a team it was just something to be proud of and we had a big entourage of city people come down was so proud of you to watch that game and everybody you know whether you won or lost. You know, use all so champions in our book.
1: You know what I do remember is how good Fairview was at baseball. I always remember I hated playing them because they'd always kick our butts every time. And I I do remember that tournament, and I do remember I don't remember taking it that far though, but I do remember playing for it, and I remember you and Brent coaching, and Britton, me, Devin, uh, Ryan Stewart. I'm sure was yeah. there playing as well. I'm. And and this was the farm league, wasn't it, where you were pitching? It was yeah, it seemed like it yeah. was Coach
0: Pitch. Yep.
1: Coach yep, Pitch. I remember that. I remember yeah. I do I do remember that.
0: Just getting going. But that what a fun year. What a fun year that was. And then uh then I know I went back out on the you know, driving coast to coast a few years later and stuff, but I I really enjoyed doing that. And it's something I'll never forget, but You know, talking about this, you wanted to talk about this coal mine thing. I just got a little preface here. If it had been a year ago right now, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because it's just something I had never, never talked about. Something I'd held inside of me for nearly 38 years. It was like that first couple Years after that had happened, you know, I'd wake up, oh, I'd have the worst, I mean, I'd wake up in cold sweats and just really bothered me and I, you know, I had to, you know, actually, you know, get, seek some help for, it really messed a lot of guys' heads up when that Wilbur disaster happened. What I mean, yeah, you don't really think about what you did and what you had to do until after it was all done you think holy smokes i just can't even believe going through through something like that and but well was just this last year one of my assignments in this uh, state calling i have is i go around we have these 11 wards and branches in our area and two of the branches are boys homes correctional facilities for young boys you know got off track and got in trouble and they've sent sent to these homes and stuff. And I was scheduled to go speak and I had my topic and everything. And about a week before I, I got a call from Mark Coombs, President Coombs, Adam's dad. <laughs> and uh he says, Hey, Roy says, Whatever your subject is, don't come down here preaching to the choir. Come down here and talk to these boys about something that's get their attention. I said, "Oh, geez, I don't know what it would be." You know, I was thinking about it, but anyway, you know, I, was, I was out on the road, and I, I, remember a couple of days, and I called my wife and says, "Golly, Ange, I said, the last two nights I've been dreaming about working in the coal mines, back in the mines." I said, "I haven't, you know, I have not been in the mines for over thirty years. I, I, I don't know why, why I'm dream, dreaming that, but they weren't bad dreams or anything. They were good dreams." And then that night next that night i dreamt of, about him again and it was just everything like this everything was so at peace and she said she had said well maybe that's what you're supposed to talk about I'm like oh no, no no anyway i went down there i decided that i was going to tell the story about the wilberg mine disaster and how i took part in it and uh anyway at that time when the disaster happened like I told you before, you know I wasn't living my life the way I should, and I was quite a partyer. Matter of fact, that time I was smoking like I was on fire and drinking like I was trying to put it out. You know, one of those type of deals, just to party and fool, and kind of got out of control. My life got out of control and unmanageable. But this Wilbur disaster kind of snapped me out of it. I was going through a divorce and I was all alone, just me and my little dog. Patches. And I told them a little bit about my dog, Patches. I came home and they'd called me back and says, We got you on team number two. Can you come over here? The come back. And yeah, yeah. I told Patches, I'll be back, Patches. And uh anyway, when I finally did get back, oh this story I laid my heart right on a platter, and I had never ever talked about that. Just like Things came to my mind and I told the story and even that little shuttle driver that drives him from the home out to the stake center there where we met and talked, he was sound asleep right at first. It was against the wall and I got talking and it even woke him up. And oh, it was pretty emotional for me. I you know, I had a little bit of a hard time at times getting through that talk, talking to them boys, thinking back at my my friends that lost their lives. But uh, when it was all over with, what was funny? <laughs> I had about five ten minutes to spare before I had to run down to my next assignment, and I asked, you know, them boys, you know, they have any questions? Well, they'd asked me. They says, "We want to hear more about patches, my dog." <laughs> but oh, God! So I said, "I don't have time to tell you right now, but you know, maybe they'll invite me back." And sure enough, they invited me back to speak again, and I, I told them about. Patches. And this little just this little terrier, little black and white, fluffy, oh, just such the most lovable dog and kept me company and everything. And we were, were really close. And matter of fact, that's the only thing I'd ask for from the divorce. I just wanted patches. She'd so have everything else. <laughs> and the story with patches, and that's the reason I tell you i had five grand dogs and i just love spoil these dogs to death and some people my wife even calls me the dog whisperer at times because i just have such a love for dogs but it was shortly after that you know mine disaster and uh jeez, it was just everything was bothering i hear there i hear that even still to this day there are still guys that was in on that rescue attempt stuff that they're still in the stress ward where they cracked and they never got over it and uh, and that's something that sort of like happened to me. It was like a, oh, less than a month after that mine disaster. I was able to get out there. And uh, yeah, things started acting weird. So, you know, i feeling weird and stuff. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just the way, you know, I need to maybe. And I knew something bad was going to happen to me. And I went and I checked myself into St. Benedict's Hospital up in Salt Lake, and uh, it was like a drug and alcohol rehabilitation place, but it was the hospital setting and all that. And I thought I'll just go in here, and they had a twelve-step program. I was ready to straighten up. And uh, about the third day, you know, into that, oh my gosh, I don't know what happened. It was just like I started going through just lost. Well, it was, a, it was a mental breakdown in the in the report. Then there was a lot of spiritual stuff happened too. They said it like spiritualistic phenomenon, whatever. But I went through this. Oh, geez, why my body had so much pain, kind of like a Charlie horse, and your leg or something. That's how my whole body was, and I couldn't sleep, or I just had to be on you know alert at all times. I don't know what was going on, but. And they was giving me tranquilizers, injections, and it was enough to put down an elephant. It wasn't even phasing me, but I don't know how many days I had been up, but I would like shed a layer of skin just like like a snake would. I mean, it was just crazy. And then all of a sudden, I guess I finally did go down, spent a couple of days across the street at St. Mark's Hospital that, that I had, had no recollection of. I. Don't remember any of that, but I just remember waking up back over at St. Benedict's and you know, I was starting to come out of it. But another thing that happened, I'd lost my eyesight. My eyesight was taken from me and I couldn't see for three days. And uh, you know, going through all that pain and and stuff like that. But finally I started little by little, you know, I had the Lord as my anchor, I just had faith that I was gonna pull out of this you know get my sanity back and little by little i did and it was just a 30-day program but i'd left patches with some friends over there in fairview and uh i said i'd be back in 30 days well geez that was the end of january january rolled by february rolled by it got into march now, oh my heck I, you know what, am i ever going to get out of here and uh, finally, after on the 40th day, i completed all, everything I needed to do. Went through the 12 steps, and I was released, and I rushed back home. First place I went was to get patches. Uh, I went up there, and all of a sudden, he's like, he's, she's right over there. i like, what? This little, looked like a little rat, dirty rat black and white spotted, just came waddling over to me. I didn't hardly even recognize her. (laughs) Patches, what happened? They says, we're sorry. They says, since you left, she might've took a couple laps of water, but we have not been able to get her to eat a thing. She has not ate for 40 days. And I just, oh, it was just, you know, I picked her up and took her home and I just was held her and she died in my arms later that day, and I just, oh, I just couldn't believe that that dog had such love for me that she would almost like fasted for me or, or something like that. And I, ever since then, you know, it's just been a love for dogs that, that, that I had. I just couldn't believe an animal having so much love for their owner or their person, you know, but anyway, and that was the story, you know, that I told them when I went back. They wanted to know about patches. But, boy, <laughs> dogs, dogs are, you know, man's best friend, no doubt about it. I'll never forget patches. Still got pictures of her. Matter of fact, right now, my grandkids, or my kids, got me a puzzle. Landon and McKenzie got me a puzzle with all five of my granddogs. They got pictures sent off and somehow they made it big. I'm putting a puzzle together now and I'll hang it on the wall. My five grand dogs. Then I got 10 grandkids also. Uh, let's see, 13 grandkids, 13 granddaughters, three grandsons. So we got to get my youngest son, Jackson, married up. And he's got to get some boys to go. And them girls are overtaking us.
1: There you go. You know, listening to your story, I remember there was – a similar experience in Japan where the dog, the owner, went away, they departed at a train station, and the owner never came back. But the dog would wait at that train station, and they made a statue of the dog.
0: Matter of fact, I watched that movie. It was called Hachi. My wife come walking and she says, are you crying? <laughs> oh, Yeah tank, you know, when I was telling you when he rode out with me on the road and I got so attached to him and and I almost bawled when they when they took him back and stuff, but oh heck, still to this day, boy, geez, we have such a close relationship. Me and that dog, he just just it's just something that we have that's there that we have. And uh oh yeah, we'll be buddies. I know I'll I'll cry when he when he passes away, that's for sure. Oh head.
1: You know, when I was a little kid with our farm, we'd always get dogs to help us with the sheep and stuff. It's easy to get attached to them. You know what I mean? And I remember one time my brother had a dog and he, I named it bear. I don't know what he named it, but I remember there was an accident with that dog and he passed away and I was so mad and crying my eyes out and everything. And then I've had dogs too that were difficult to own you do feel that special relationship with them right yeah
0: we had this dog named Sinbad I was just taking a load of over when I was working local it was probably about the time the baseball team we had that year but when I was working local and I was dumping a load of gravel down for the city in Nephi and it was their dog pound was sitting right to the side if where i dumped in there, there's this little dog oh i don't know what it, what breed it was or anything but and i just walked over there and was playing with it a little bit and she says yeah tomorrow we're gonna have to put this dog down that's been here and was just a little puppy because we've had it too long and nobody's wants it or anything and i came home and I was sitting here and the kids got home from school and next thing i know we're in Heading back down to the dog town. this <laughs> that dang dog was the worst dog. Much trouble. I think one time it cost me a couple hundred dollars. I got in and killed the turkey, And, oh, one of the neighbors took t- turkeys or something. And Oh, but it was so funny when, when I was driving. I'd come in in the truck and I'd come around that corner. And that lazy dog had been sitting there on his duff. All of a sudden, would see me come around that corner, would like, woof, 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 get up and run across the street, chasing things away and guarding the house. And everybody would just laugh. It would just do the same thing every time. And one time it went, and it got so big and fat, it went running and tripped and fell and rolled and hurt us shoulder and leg, uh, limping around. Funniest thing, I could almost every time just know what was going to happen when I'd take that corner. <laughs> Old Sinbad. You couldn't take a walk with him because he'd break loose from you. They'd try to uh my wife and kids, they'd go for a walk with a stroll of kids and everything. And if Simbad came along, he'd see a cat or something. And I mean, he didn't just chase him, he would harm him. He was a hunting dog or something like that, but he just was mean and I mean, never was mean to kids, but he had birds or anything. He just, you know, had that kill instinct, you know, had to get rid of him. Got us in, all, in trouble one time, and him and another dog got together that one of the, I think one of the kids brought home. It was a lot, another dog, and they kind of got together, and there's both troublemakers, you know, and this, well, well, that's enough of that. But,
1: well, Troy. Thank you so much. This was amazing, and I will never forget Patches now. Thanks for the opportunity. Man, I got emotional while listening to Troy's story while we were recording. That's why I'm short in my speech in a lot of places. I wasn't expecting that, but Troy's story was very touching and very amazing, and I am thankful that he came on to share it with us. I love the transformation in Troy's life. I love the transformation in the baseball team that he coached. I hope that we can all take away that you can change and you can change for the better and we need to change and be better. All of us, every day, can work on something to improve our lives. I want to end this one with another manly mystery sound. Let me know if you can guess it. Run bro, run!